five, four, three. Hello, Cryptonauts, and welcome back to another episode of Cryptocurrency Chat. I am your host, Jake Javarelli. Blockchain John is out, but we have with us today also host Crypto Lissa. How you doing, Lissa? I'm good. How are you? How was your Christmas? Oh, it was great. Thanks for asking. Uh, we had a really good time here. I hope you had a good Christmas as well. Yes, I did. Awesome. Okay, well, let's go ahead and get started with the top 10 daily stats as well as the crypto news of the day. But one thing before that, I forgot it, but it's fine. Uh, this content is for entertainment purposes only. Any comments made by us, the hosts, or any guests we may have on the show is not financial advice. We're just reading what we like. So, getting on to the news with the top 10. We have Bitcoin. Actually, let me do a refresh since it constantly changes. And Bitcoin is always at number one. Currently, market cap uh, of 38% of the entire market is price of 50,957.74, which of course will be different in one second. I'm not going to refresh again. The seven day gain of 8.5% and a market cap of still just shy of a trillion dollars, 963 billion point seven. It's definitely going up. I'm sure everyone is noticing because the whole market is going up and everyone is going, yay, we're making money again. So Ethereum is in the second place with a little over $4,000 and a 3.2% gain over the last week and a market cap of just shy of half a, half a trillion dollars, 488.4. And Binance Coin is in third place right now at $549 and a 2.3% weekly gain and a market cap of $92.4 billion. On Tether, the stable coin, which of course doesn't change very much. It does change a little bit, but we don't really care. And its market cap is 78.2 billion. Solana is uh, doing a little bit better. It's coming up almost 10%. It's 8.5% uh, over the last week, and a price of just shy of $200, uh, and a market cap of 61 billion. Cardano is doing well again with double digit gain, 17.8% gain at this moment, and a current price of really close to what, about a buck fifty, dollar forty-seven and a market cap of $47 billion. It's also just narrowly beating out Ripple or XRP there in seventh place. Ripple is floating just under a dollar, 92 cents. It also has double digit gains of 11.6% in the last week and a $44.1 billion market cap. And then of course, USD coin, which is just another stable coin, is just sitting right underneath Ripple in eighth place with a $42.6 billion market cap, but a, um, you know, neither gain nor loss. Like I said, it's a stable coin. Um, and then Terra is sitting behind that, but it's pretty far back. It's got a couple, uh, about eight billion back, uh, just just under a hundred dollars, ninety ninety nine uh, forty five, and a 34% seven day gain. Holy crow, 34%. Wow, look at Terra go. It is really picking up the slack. I mean, at this rate, it probably could catch USD coin. Not that USD coin cares. Thirty six point two billion dollars. Polkadot is in 10th place right now. It has fallen quite a bit, although it is also in double-digit gains at 20.8% gain in the last week. Current price of 30.87 and a market cap of not too far away from Terra at about 32.9 billion. And I've always mentioned this before, and if you'd like to make comments, uh, Lisa, you can. Um, Avalanche, Dogecoin, Shiba, uh, Polygon, and Crypto.com are in the next five down after the top ten. We do talk about this. Binance USD used to be pretty close up there. Shiba's fallen a lot, but then it's just a meme coin like Doge. And um, Polygon's actually been picking up a lot of slack. I wanted to make this mention, and we don't always talk about it. Um, 
Polygon's been making huge, huge strides as of late. Uh, currently 27.8 uh, uh, market game over the last week. But if I scroll down a bit here, we can see near and position 22 is almost 100% gain in the last week. Cosmos is doing exceptionally well here in the 24th spot, almost 40% gain. Um, and I think, here we go, Phantom. Phantom's all, almost 70% gain, so some really, really big gain. Look at that. For those of you on, on YouTube, you can see that the Phantom's just skyrocketing here, just straight up, as well as down here with the Theta Network. Theta Network's also doing just straight up progression. So any of those coins that are doing this, I mean, Polkadot's kind of doing the same thing, um, are making their way toward the top 10. And that reminds me, if you appreciate this content and are watching on YouTube, we appreciate you. If you could show us an appreciation, actually, I'll get to the other part later, but um, by liking and subscribing, if you like our content, we produce every Wednesday and Sunday. Uh, you can get us on YouTube that way. You can also get us on Anchor and any other places that you can get uh, podcasts, uh, Apple, Pod Apple Podcasts, get it there too. Uh, we're on Discord. Lots of stuff going on on Discord. In fact, we're recording this from Discord. Uh, we have a lot of interactivity. People, uh, all kinds of different coins and all kinds of different discussions on a regular basis. You can get lots of interesting content. There's a lot of different news that's on Discord. It's basically a great place to hang out. If you're already into crypto, you probably know that. But if you're not, please check us out on Discord. The links are below. Um, if you'd like to donate, we are currently offering uh, $3, $5, and $10 uh, subscription models on Patreon where you can get AMAs, Ask Me Anythings, or uh, additional interview information, video that we have recorded in addition to the, to the um, interviews that we've done on the channel, which are every Thursday if you want to check those out. But if you don't want to donate that way, we also, also accept one-time donations in Binance, uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Basic Attention Token, and Raven. All the information is in the description below. And I, I realized this right as I started getting into a plug that uh, I had forgotten to mention that the market cap is up to two and a half trillion. It's going up again. I think the highest we've ever been was 2.8 trillion, but 2.5 is a good number to see. It's up 1.2% in the last 24 hours. And uh, make sure to collect your candies if you haven't already. I, I have apparently already gotten mine today. I have another hour and 45 minutes before I can collect number 20. Um, but you can see that I have uh, over 10,000. And you can use those here in the reward section for all kinds of different things. Most of these are um, uh, discounts off of different services that are available. But uh, one of the things I, I definitely highly recommend if you're not are already understanding it is to check out getting these uh, the DeFi bundle here, which gives you these both these two how-to how DeFi's, both of these two books here, or how to Bitcoin. Um, any one of these things will help you understand a little bit better. They are technically free, but they're not that, not that difficult to uh, pick up. And it's a nice little PDF format, it's like 25 page uh, article articles of it's a small book so and then we got here this uh christmas with coin gecko candy contest um here's another swag they're doing ten dollars off the store but every now and then they drop an nft and john and i've gotten all those nfts so collect your candies get your nfts and your discounts now uh, we want to get onto the news and since lissa is here today crypto lissa is here today if you've been joining john on uh crypto Twitter and in the live space, you've probably seen her and heard her speak uh, uh, in that area, but uh, she's going to be reading the news because John is out since it is technically still the holidays, even though this is a Sunday following Christmas. This is also known as Boxing Day, and we're going to get on to the news. 
So take it away and make sure to remind us who is the author of that article, Lissa. Awesome. So our first article is This Week on Crypto Twitter, Web3 War, Buckle Buys More Bitcoin, OpenSea Users Read Their SOS by Tim Hockey. This being the first, or sorry, this being the week of Christmas, crypto Twitter wasn't usual racious. Rackus, Rackus. Rackus and polyphonic self. There were fewer announcements, attacks, and gossip than usual. But one debate dominated the chatter. Former Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey took on Web's three venture capitalists and found an ally in Elon Musk. And it all happened after Cardi B asked her followers in an Insensuous? Innocuous. Or innocuous, sorry. Question, crypto question. Read on for the play-by-play summary of the debate and to find out what else happened on crypto Twitter this week. Jack versus Web3 VCs. Cardi B arguably ignited the Web3 war of words between Jack Dorsey and venture capitalist firms like Andreessen Horowitz. Uh, it all started on Tuesday when Cardi tweeted a simple question to her 20 million followers. Do you think crypto is going to replace the dollar? Dorsey, a vocal Bitcoin uh, maximalist, replied within seven minutes. Yes, Bitcoin will. Mm-hmm. And there you can see the tweet there. Dorsey wasn't done drawing a distinction between Bitcoin and the rest of crypto. Three hours later... He jumped back on Twitter and de- declared, "You won't, you don't own Web three. The VCs and their LPs do. It will never escape their incentives. It's ultimately a centralized entity with a different label." And there you see his tweet. The tweet attracted a gaggle of industry uh, pundits into the fray, including Rug Radio founder. Faroak? Sarmad. Sorry if we butchered that. But Dogecoin co-founder Billy Marcus and Tesla CEO Elon Musk. At first, Musk entered on Dorsey's side. Has anyone seen Web3? I can't find it. <laughs> and there's his tweet there. Dorsey continued to argue with people on Twitter well into Thursday burning a few bridges on the way. On Wednesday, the Square CEO tweeted that he'd been blocked by Mark Andreessen, co-founder of Andreessen Horowitz, the firm behind nearly every crypto startup these days. Dorsey also unfollowed various corporate figures in the sector, including Gemini co-founder Tyler Rinkelboss and Coinbase CEO Brian Armstrong. It wasn't just Web3 and Dorsey's crosshairs he also managed to throw shade on ethereum at one point nft maker rahila zafar accused dorsey of being anti-ethereum dorsey what sorry i'm just laughing (laughs) oh (laughs) dorsey denied the charge qualifying his point of view with quote i'm not anti-eth i'm anti-centralized bc owned single point of failure and corporate control lies 
if your goal is anti-establishment, I promise you it isn't Ethereum, end quote. And there you see the tweet. Uh, Dogecoin co-founder Billy Marcus took uh, on barge with Dorsey's Bitcoin maximalist or maximalism and chipped in his two cents. He wrote, quote, my goal is to build staff and make money and have fun. I'm used to the corporate establishment and don't really see any meaningful break from it. Bitcoin just gives power to new rich people, end quote. And there you can see his tweet. Musk flattered Marcus by jumping in, quote, that's why I'm pro-Doge, end quote. Dorsey replied to Musk's comment with some more Bitcoin praise, but Musk tapped out of that of the thread. Buckle buys MOR. Dorsey? Bekele. Bekele is the name of the president. Oh, Bekele. Yeah. I thought it was... Oh, sorry, guys. Yeah. My reading is way off today. Um, Dorsey's tweet storm was pretty outrageous, but it's not quite as outrageous as head of state announcing to his followers at random moments that he just bought loads more Bitcoin. That could be interpreted as financial advice and exactly what El Salvador's Bitcoin pumping president uh, Naib Bakele has reportedly done. Bakele prefaced his last statement on December 21st with a little teaser. He in in enactingly, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, shared the fact that his country has uh, area or has an area of twenty one thousand square kilometers. Coincident? I don't think so. Right there, <laughs> you can see his tweet. Things became clear just over an hour later. Uh, Bekele told his followers that he planned to buy twenty one bitcoins to commemorate the final 20, 21st day of the month in the 21st year of the 21st century. He tweeted later the receipt. The last time he bought uh, in October, he made it a 420 joke. And you see yeah. there. He literally bought tweet. 420. That was the joke. It was on purpose. So, <laughs> Yes, for sure. I think he's got a sense of humor behind him. He does. Uh, OpenSea users get their SOS. I saw this trending on Twitter, had no idea what it was. Um, so now we're going to find out. On Christmas Eve, with the crypto scene relatively quiet, OpenDAO took the opportunity to make some noise. The DAO, which says it formed in an effort to reward OpenSea users for their spending and for suffering through various scams, airdropped new SOS tokens to anyone who has spent money on OpenSea transactions prior to December 23rd. You can claim your SOS by heading to OpenDAO's site, connect your crypto wallet, and hitting initiate claim. Your amount of SOS will depend on how uh, much ETH, DAI, or USDC you've spent on OpenSea. That figure will be compounded by a multiplier. And SOS rapidly multiplied. The token rose more than 1,000% in just two days and became the talk of crypto Twitter by Sunday. Alexis Ohanan, the Reddit co-founder and NFT collector, 
devoted a Twitter thread to SOS to the SOS airdrop, saying it's an example of how everyone will value their time and spending online. You're finally re rewarded for using because everything is in a public database. It allows anyone to show up and reward behavior uh, stored there. And there's that tweet. Altogether, it was a quiet week on Twitter until Christmas, and now you can expect a lot more SOS chatter in the week to come. Oh yeah, no, we're gonna talk about that actually in the very next article. But uh, it is it is interesting to see OpenSea finally, um, you know, doing an airdrop, and all those people who participated obviously get to participate with that. And it's not not at all surprising that it went up a thousand percent in two days. People are highly oh, no. invested in OpenSea. It's a huge, huge thing. So, um, I just like the fact that they, you know, they're seeing that people were, you know, rugged, quote unquote, you know, and pulled like some of their projects that they invested in pulled. And I think it's great to see that they're trying to at least semi compensate, right? Yep, exactly. <laughs> it is interesting to see uh, Bukele, you know, basically flaunting his his awareness of social media. Oh, uh, yes. He's trying to be the cool dictator. Right. is a little awkward at the very least. Um, I'm not sure. It's weird. I want to make a comment on Jack Dorsey, that is. Um, he's the owner, well, was previously. I think he deliberately divested himself from the projects he was in so it would so that he could go off and do his own thing without pe people saying hey why are you doing all these things that are centralized if you're so against if you're so for decentralization hmm and i think that's the reason people unfollowed him and he was unfollowing them he, it was a huge you know twitter fight that they have because he's uh, he's like, decentralization, decentralization. And they're like, dude, if you're so into decentralization, you should totally get out of the two centralized companies that you own, effectively. Exactly. <laughs> and he did. He left one of them. Uh, he, he he left, did he leave Twitter? I can't remember if he, he left Twitter, and then he reformed um, Square into Block. So yeah. he's, I think he is owning it. And that's probably the reason he's getting mad at these other people. Um, I, I do think his, his comment... When you're at the top and you have the 30,000 foot view like these CEO people do, um, <laughs> despite Elon Musk having it, I sometimes wonder if he actually does think 30,000 foot view. But um, Jack Dorsey's comment, so you can find it here. Um, you don't own Web3, the VCs and the LPs do. Um, I think he's trying to make a point. Exactly. It's currently that way. But he's trying to make it not be that way. Now, let me yes. make one comment about this that I've seen over the last 20 years in software. One of the things that Google did that Microsoft did not. Microsoft was sued uh, by the federal government for being a, a um, uh, what's it called, monopoly. And then the European Union tried doing it. And currently, the federal government in the U.S. is still trying to do it to Google. They're like, hey, you're a monopoly. And Google's like, no, we're not. I'm like, well, you're the most popular, uh, you know, search engine. Yes, we are, but we're not a monopoly. And they're like, well, you're the only. We're not. There are other other search engines out there. And the, the argument they're presenting, which is weird to see how this changes, is you don't have to use Google. 
Now, you'll probably think you probably do because you're like, well, there's nothing better. That's true. Google is one of the best, if not the best. But it you you are not paying for Google. And this is the thing that I see the um, uh, Web3 being. At the point when Jack Dorsey gets his way, if he ever does, um, or what he's going for, you need to still find a way to make money in Web3. Web3 is supposedly decentralized, right? If you're going to work in Web3, you need to figure out how to make money in Web3. Google figured it out. Obviously, they were doing it Web2, not Web3. But um, Google figured out if you sell ads, which is what people have been doing for decades, it's nothing new, um, you can still make money. You can monetize your readers. You can monetize your, your customers into being the thing that you sell. So like on Facebook, Facebook's free, right? For most everybody. It's not yep. technically free. Your data, your personal information is being sold. That's why it's free. But because you don't see it, that's why it's free. When it comes to Web3 with this decentralization, businesses still need to figure out how to make money on it. And the one thing that a lot of companies figured out in the last 20 years was you can sell support. And that's what I see Jack doing. Um, in the Web3 ecosystem or environment that we will have everything will be decentralized everything will be able to be up to the individual how do you make money in that well you sell support you sell advice you sell consulting which has been going on it's, it's something that has existed for as long as consultants have existed which is longer than the modern era so jack is trying to figure out how to do that right now in my opinion um the I old, think so too. The old way, which was the centralization concept, which is still going on, obviously, and it's very, very, very consistent, and everybody likes it still, or at least people who are making money like it. Um, they don't know how to do that yet, and they're they're angry with him because he's taking a stance that doesn't appeal to them, and they need to figure out how to do that. Andreessen Horowitz is going to need to figure out how to do that. They've already got a way of doing it. They they're the the, the major investors in every ma major crypto project that comes on the market, right? So they technically own a portion of all the new projects that end up making money. So it's like when Uber came out, Andreessen Horowitz was there to invest in it. Now, Uber's never made money, but Andreessen Horowitz is still making money off that because the other people coming into it making money off that. Um, but what I'm basically getting at is you need to change, you need to pivot, you need to do something different. And Jack's already doing that, and so that's why he's pissing people off. Um, he's already, he already sees the writing on the wall and is, is pivoting to it. But Web3 is going to change that. There's still going to be centralization. It's still going to happen. And he sees the value in decentralization. So yes, my, my two Satoshis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, continuing on with uh, this more in-depth information about the... Everything you need to know about OpenDAO's SOS token airdrop for OpenSea users by Robert Stevens. On Christmas Eve, anyone who had ever spent money on OpenSea could claim a free Ethereum token called SOS. The amount of SOS they'd get was determined by how much money they'd spent on NFTs on OpenSea. By Sunday, a quarter million people had claimed the token, and it had skyrocketed more than a thousand percent in value. The tokens were not dropped by the popular NFT marketplace itself, but by OpenDAO, an independent, decentralized, autonomous organization 
that pledges to use some of its tokens it earmarked for itself to compensate OpenSea users for scams and support the burgeoning NFT industry. Although the crypto space is saturated with airdrops and meme tokens, the drop for SOS blew up on Christmas Day. It was the largest gainer on coin market cap and with its price rising faster than even the sketchiest shitcoin. <laughs> uh, here's a tweet regarding that. By Boxing Day, the token had risen to a market capitalization of $321 million. Its Discord has about 50,000 members and 100,000 people on are following open down on Twitter, SOS market cap hasn't seen a vertical, hasn't been a vertical green line. The token has since fallen to a market cap of 266 million. As of this writing, a 17% decrease from its all time high. How to claim SOS. The number of SOS tokens you can claim depends on how much you've used on OpenSea, the most popular marketplace for non-fungible tokens. The more you've traded on the platform and the more SOS tokens you claim. That is how you get them. To claim SOS, head to OpenDAO's site, connect your cryptocurrency wallet, and hit the Initiate Claim. OpenDAO supports MetaMask, Coinbase Wallet, and Wallet Connect. The site will then estimate your reward by working out how much DAI, ETH, or USDC you spent on OpenSea. That figure will be compounded by a multiplier, and the subtotal will be multiplied once again by the number of transactions you processed on OpenSea. OpenDAO calculates how many SOS tokens you've to give you based on your transactions prior to December 23rd. Any OpenSea transactions processed after that date won't count. The numbers are not always accurate. It said I spent over 8 ETH, which when that's how I, much I've sold, not how much I've spent. One investor who chose to remain anonymous told Decrypt, you have to pay a gas fee on Ethereum to claim your tokens. The fee, dominated by ETH, will depend on how congested the Ethereum network is, but there's no rush to claim. If you're eligible to claim tokens, you have until June 30th, 2022 to do so. Unclaimed tokens will be sent to the DAO's treasury after that date. Once claimed, the tokens will be sent to your Ethereum address. If you connected to OpenDAO with MetaMask, you can add the SOS token to your wallet by hitting the Add SOS button on the side of the page. And here's a tweet regarding that. Within days of its creation, major exchanges such as OKX, Huobi, Huobi, excuse me, uh, Global, and Gate.io listed the token. You can trade it on decentralized exchanges like Uniswap or become a liquidity provider to earn a cut of transaction fees on an automatic marker, market maker protocol. The pseudonymous developer called 9x9x9 created OpenDAO. The coder, who's also building a DAO called 721DAO, says he didn't get paid for creating OpenDAO, but he didn't need to. According to Etherscan, 9x9x9's ETH account holds over $800,000 in SOS tokens, and the developer holds $10 million worth of Aave interest bearing ex-Sushi tokens. Here's a tweet regarding that. SOS's tokenomics. OpenDAO's site claims that there will be 100 trillion total SOS tokens. Half, uh, half were designed toward the airdrop. Another 20% will be issued as staking incentives, and another 10% will incentivize liquidity providers. Two votes pro proposed by the project's synonymous creator, 9x9x9, have determined how the protocol will dish out these incentives. The staking incentives will be distributed over the course of a year, and the token holders decided that it will take two years to deplete the DAO of incentives for liquidity providers. 
The final 20% will go to the OpenDAO protocol. The OpenDAO protocol will compensate victims of OpenSea scams, support NFT communities and artists, and provide money to developers. It is likely that these decisions will be made through Snapshot, the same voting site that determined the rewards for stakers and LPs. There isn't a project roadmap yet. Why? One of OpenDAO's synonymous creators, 9x9x9, said on Discord, because it's a DAO. We are undergoing a setup for the DAO getting candidates for multi-sig. It is not a company with roadmap. <laughs> Decisions are decided by all SOS holders. And here is a tweet regarding that with Alex Ohanian. As an aside, OpenDAO should, be, should not be confused with a stablecoin minting protocol by the same name nor any of the scam or NFTs that claimed can be associated with that project. Many have this question that the Ethereum community is busy rifling through the code. Some like smart contract sleuth Oxquit or OX, which probably be, uh, yeah, OX like zero X, uh, found very few problems with the code. He tweeted that the SOS is safe to claim and trade. There's nothing out of the ordinary buried in the contract. Others like Fab Doris, uh, found red flags within the code. First, they found half of all the tokens are held in three externally held accounts, meaning that the team can at any time point rug, <laughs> point rug the entire liquidity or is at risk of having a central point of failure being compromised. Fabdoris uh, also found that the contract's claim function allows the developers to grant any arbitrary amount of SOS to any arbitrary wallets by simply generating valid signatures without anyone being able to differentiate the valid claims from the invalid ones. And here is a tweet on that, actually quite a long one. But OXQuit says, Fabdoris's concerns about the availability of the token are um, not its security. While it's true that the devs could potentially forge a signature to mint SOS for themselves, they could not use that to say, mm, steal your SOS or anything else from your wallet. OXQuit, told Decrypt via Twitter DM. As far as cash grabs rug pulls go, it is more of an orange flag in that regard. I find it unlikely that they would or have the ability to use the avenue to allocate coins to themselves. There are much easier ways to rug pull your own protocol for one. If uh, developers forge signatures to allocate themselves more coins, OXQuit says, They'd either hit the max supply, blocking people from claiming tokens, or uh, so we'd know they did it, or we would have essentially just taken away an advance on and token on the tokens that get returned to the DAO anyway. The project creators nine by nine by nine responded so that uh, to what he called the smart contract fud on Discord. The only way the dev can or will do is to move unclaimed SOS by June 30th to DAO. With the ability to do above, fudders, people, uh, fear and rest and doubters, will always attack uh, that this is not perfect. But life is not perfect. All we can do is be, our, be better than ourselves. Project Snapshot already voted in favor of locking 30% of tokens for at least a year, and the team is in the process of finding reputable holders for its multi-sig wallets. Anyone can apply. That said, with just two votes passed as of this writing, there's nothing to suggest for sure that OpenDAO can sustain its momentum and build a fully functioning DAO that will fulfill its aims. Um, 
In many ways, the popularity of SOS is a response to requests for OpenSea itself to launch a token. Popular crypto projects like Uniswap, Compound, and Aave have distributed governance tokens to people who use their platform, and many traders are restless for an OpenSea to do the same. OpenSea is a company, not a protocol, and has no cause to decentralize in the same way that protocols like Uniswap and Compound do. That said, OpenSea's community clearly wants an OpenSea token. The company's newly appointed CFO, Rob, uh, Brian Roberts, met with backlash earlier this month when he hinted at plans for an IPO. Selling equity on the stock market would distribute ownership over OpenSea to wealthy shareholders rather than the community members. OpenSea has since said its intentions were misreported. Independent DAOs like OpenDAO could use governance mechanism to accomplish similar things to an OpenSea governance token, like letting community determine which projects the DAO should fund or how victims of scams should be compensated. So it is a very good uh, review, actually. It's, I'm glad that, that, um, that Robert Stevens went through this entire listing of how, how this went, because it was something I was very curious about. How about you? Yeah, I thought, I mean, it's a, in my mind, it's a great article and it really sheds light on what uh, OpenDAO is trying to do. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting to see it. I remember when Uniswap, I'm going to make the analogy here, Uniswap hit, uh, did this exact same thing. You know, it dropped its, uh, its uh, op, uh, airdrop. And I think at the time they were dropping 400, um, Uniswap tokens to people who'd, who'd contributed to the project. And at the time, the price is marked at $4. So people were given $3,200 just for participating in the, in the beginning of, of Uniswap. And of course, everybody sold them. Well, not everybody, but a lot of people did. And the price dropped. I think it went down to as low as buck fifty. But the last I looked, and I know that price has gone up and down for Uniswap, as, as all these uh, tokens have. But... Um, <clears throat> I think the peak it peaked out at like thirty-two dollars. So if you decided to keep your four hundred, <laughs> it would be worth eight times as much. And obviously, I, I even I made this mistake. I, I joined the Gala um, uh, Gala Games when it first hit the market. Actually, before it first hit the market, because I was promoting it. I was playing it. I found it would be pretty fun. But it's changed a lot since I first started playing it. Uh, but you can play the game and and make money. I mean, it's not a super hard game to play, and almost everybody who plays gets something. Um, but the uh, they gave me a very large, very large uh, uh, endowment, I guess, of tokens for promoting the early early beta of the game. And as soon as it hit the market, I sold it. Not all of it, but most of it. And now that token is worth 50 cents. I'm not going to say oh, no. how much money I basically lost out on, but... And, and this is not, I have to reiterate, it's not financial advice, it's just my personal opinion. In my experience, if you are given a lot of coin that's worth nothing, like if you're given stock that's worth nothing, um, and that's it's not unheard of. I worked for a company back in the 90s um, where I was given a lot of stock for working there. That stock is still worth nothing. But in the case of, um, uh, you know, crypto, it it very well could be worth something in the future. Now, when it hit the market, it wasn't worth a whole lot. It was like 0. 0.000001 or something like that. So I sold as much as I could to get something out of it. It's like, hey, who knows if this will be worth something? I don't. I don't think it is. And I wasn't really that heavily invested in it. It was just a free thing. So I sold. I got, I got a couple hundred dollars. I was happy. A year later, 
uh, Gala hits Coinbase. <laughs> and its value <laughs> skyrocketed. Now, as I said, my personal opinion, not financial advice, is if you own crypto, don't sell all of it. This is what I do. This is my advice to myself. If you happen to decide to do the same thing, great. Maybe it will benefit you. But it is my personal opinion that it is not a good idea to sell all the coin you are given. So if you were given, let's say, and these are not the numbers that are true about me, you were given half a million of a coin that's worth nothing, literally nothing. It might, you might be able to sell it for a penny, right? And it becomes available to a market, some market, some way of selling it, and you get rid of some of it. Never sell all of it. Sell some of it, which is what I did. Um, but keep some of it, because you never know if it might be worth something in the future. So, um, yeah, yes. John, John, can tell, John can tell another much more dire story than I did. Now, if I had kept that, I, I might be a millionaire now. Um, John's story, which I'll let him tell when he gets back, if he gets a chance, and I think he's told it before, um, is that in the early days of Ethereum, he bought a lot of Ethereum at no, at the lowest price Ethereum was, which I think was three cents or something. Um, and he did put a lot of that Ethereum at its lower value into um, BitConnect, which we all know was a scam. Um, but uh, the he also put it into a lot of other I, uh, ISOs and or no ICOs, pardon me. Uh, and of course, a lot of those were scams as well, rug pulls. Um, so I, I don't know how much Ethereum is, and it's inappropriate to ask another person how much money they have. So I'm not going to say, I actually don't know. And I've known John for almost two years. Um, but everyone learns this lesson that it, it's a question of, of your need. And this, this is the only advice I would say is not financial so much. It is a question of, and I think we've talked about this before and I've asked a lot of people, even on this show, um, uh, how much you would, in fact, on my own YouTube channel, where I have given advice that has been financial, um, I've, I've often said, don't play with all your money, right? If you have some money, it's probably a good idea, probably a good idea, to not spend all of it on gambling. <laughs> um, so anyways, without trying to go too much further into that, the, the point I was trying to make is that um, you never know what's coming down the pipeline. You never know what you're going to win. You never know what you're going to have. Um, but to be somewhat conservative is not always a bad idea. You may not win as much, but you also may not lose as much. So that's as much as I'm going to say on that. Let's continue on with this week in coins. Can you read that for us, um, Lisa? Yes. So this week in coins, Ave Terra Polygon Sheeb outpaced Bitcoin and Ethereum by Tim Hockey. And we can see a Sheeb right there crypto markets have been festively surging over the last seven days in the past week crypto's global market capitalization climbed to 6.8 percent to 2.48 trillion according to CoinGecko. although the market's top dogs bitcoin and ethereum both enjoyed seven day gains they didn't lead the pack this week uh bitcoin's price 
cross the $50,000 threshold on Thursday. The last time it was above that key level was on December 13th. Since last Saturday, it has climbed 7% in value, though it slipped back under 50000 on Christmas and is trading at 49998 as of Sunday morning. Ethereum's price gains over the week were more modest, climbing only 2.4% ETH, is trading around $4,056 at time of writing. Merry Altcoin Christmas. Altcoins and DeFi tokens won the week. Ave and Terra's Luna have both surged by 36% as money continues to pour into DeFi. The Terra network in particular has positively exploded uh, in the last quarter. A huge part of Terra's success is uh, down to the fact that the network is becoming a mainstay in DeFi. As of Wednesday, the total value of crypto locked up in Terra-based projects at, exceeds $20 billion. Luna isn't the only Terra cryptocurrency doing well, either. On Monday, Terra's dollar-pegged UST flipped DAI to become the number four stablecoin with a market cap of about $9.9 billion, UST is now comfortably ahead of DAI's $9 billion market cap. Uniswap, or known as Uni, and Polygon, also known as Matic, are rising in tandem. Uniswap is up 10% in the past week, while Polygon is up 29%. Their synchronized rally could be largely thanks to the fact that Uniswap users voted to deploy the exchange's smart contracts on Polygon, which sent Matic to an all-time high on Wednesday. The move alleviates much of the fees in incurred when users tap into the Ethereum network uh, directly from Uniswap. Since Polygon is a layer two scaling solution designed to ease the load from Ethereum, Polkadot or DOT rose 15.4% over the week. Its recent growth comes after the launch of five parachains on the network. Parachains are essentially individual a sovereign blockchain running on top of a blockchain network that help reduce we help that help reduce its transaction bottleneck while mitigating the need to rely on layer two scaling solutions. Cardano, ADA, and Ripple's XRP also posted double digit gains this week. The price of Cardano is up 15.6% from last week, while XRP is up 12 higher than it was last week. On to the meme coins. Apart from Ave and Luna, nothing had a bigger week than Shiba Inu, or SHIB, which has seen a seven-day gain of around 19.5%. Its price is still a fraction of a cent, trading for 0.003771. Dogecoin had a more modest Christmas climb. It's currently worth uh, 18 cents, up 9.6% from a week before. The altcoin sector speculation rallies this week are a strong indication that investors are looking outside the market 
leaders for projects to throw their weight behind. By this time next year, the top tier of the crypto market might look totally different. Yeah, God, this is something that I've personally taken uh, attention to and joined into what otherwise known are shit coins. Um, there's an <laughs> exchange called South Exchange, uh, South with a giant X instead of an EX, um, where I, a couple of years ago, pushed a, a, a relatively small amount of Dogecoin before it blew up into South Exchange and started trading on coins that were traded explicitly to Dogecoin. Um, you know, their pairings were Dogecoin to something else. Um, and then suddenly Doge blew up. And suddenly all those coins blew up. And um, I was like, well, you know, it was bound to happen at some point. And, and I have, I, I can't even tell, I, I actually haven't enumerated the dump, total number of coins I have invested in. I would guess it's over 500 different coins. Um, I don't know. I haven't actually counted, but uh, there's so many interesting projects out there. And Crypto Mike actually made this comment a while back. There's so much content and so much, so many things to think about and consider when it comes to crypto. You literally cannot learn it all. It's like trying to learn everything in the world. You can't. It's just too much information. And the same thing goes for crypto. Uh, there's too much of too many coins right now. I think if I go back, flip over here to CoinGecko, uh, there's currently almost 12,000. And if I let me just refresh really quick and see if it's crossed. Nope, it hasn't crossed 12,000 yet. But um, not that long ago, we hadn't even reached 10. They are currently, according to CoinGecko's listings, almost 12,000 coins or in tokens. Um, Jeez. There's so many. It, it, I, we tried, we actually did this, um, what, seven months ago? Like May? Yeah, it was about, yeah, it was about May. We tried to do a random coin section of our podcast. We're just going to randomly pick a coin and, you know, whatever the number is and then research it and talk about it on air. And it was a disaster because it was just too many possibilities. There's too much to learn. There's too much going on. It just takes so much time. So we, we I hate to say it this way, but we kind of don't spend a whole lot of time um, concentrating on those aspects. It's just, it's just too complicated. So <clears throat> what we've decided to do instead is um, just deal with them as they come. You know, when Sheep popped up on the market, suddenly we were talking about it. It's only been around for a little over a year. Um, uh, Dynamo is one of the ones that we are sort of promoting, but it's not, it's barely been around for nine months. Um, actually, no, it's only seven, seven months, excuse me. Um, and yet it's, it's, it isn't blowing up yet, but it's definitely getting traction. Um, uh, I've personally delved recently into Raptorium and Pascal. And uh, but primarily because I was looking at, for a CPU coin, something could be run on CPU and mining. But um, there's lots of different projects out there, and there's just no way you're going to be able to look at them all. So it's interesting to see these few that we've talked about. Continuing on with an Ekinjenk article by Turkey uh, Turkey President, crypto law headed to Parliament. <clears throat> this is going to be Erdogan. Uh, yes. Uh, Turkey, Turkey's draft crypto bill is ready and will soon be sent to Parliament. Turkish President <coughs> uh, Recep Tayyip Erdogan said Friday during a press conference in Istanbul. We will take a step right away and send the draft bill to Parliament, Erdogan said. Although Erdogan 
didn't disclose how much in the way of details at this time. He said in September that the government has absolutely no intention of embracing cryptocurrencies. Erdogan said at the time the, the country would move forward with our own currency that has its own identity. Despite the tough words, there's no expectation of a crypto ban. The Minister of Treasury and Finance, Lufthi Elvan, ruled out uh, I hope I've pronounced this right, but anyways, ruled out one uh, out in May, commenting a month after two Turkish cryptocurrency exchanges, Theodex and Vebitcoin, disappeared overnight, the customers of those exchanges lost access to their funds, with estimates varying from hundreds of millions of dollars to billions. Uh, Mertkat Bayraktar, I hope I pronounced that correctly, a lawyer who represents several Theodex victims in court told Vcrypt that he doesn't expect uh, Thodex uh, Vebicoin scandal to shape the crypto bill. He believes that the law will emphasize taxation and the legal status of cryptocurrency exchanges, such as whether they should be treated like banks or exchange bureaus. The status of cryptocurrency exchanges matters because uh, the, Turk the Turks' increasing use uh, of them to sell Turkish lira for U.S. dollar pegged stablecoins, according to Bayraktar. Uh, Bay the Turkish lira has fallen by 34% against the U.S. dollar this year, but has gone up by 41% this week after a precipitous drop earlier this year, according to TradingView. <clears throat> the greenback is widely seen as a store of value in Turkey, where the local currency sometimes trades like a volatile mean coin. Yes, this is a problem with some other countries, and Turkey's not the only one. <clears throat> Pardon me. Although elderly Turks use banks and exchange bureaus to buy the U.S. dollar, crypto exchanges are highly popular for people under the age of 40 to buy dollar-pegged stablecoins, Bayraktar said. They treat crypto exchanges like online and more convenient alternative to old-school exchange bureaus. Cryptocurrency exchanges are open 24-7 and offer better rates than banks and exchange bureaus when it comes to foreign currency trade, he explained. But the Turkish government wants people to invest in the lira. This week it launched government-backed savings accounts that are indexed to the price of the U.S. dollar. It hopes to encourage people to switch back from the dollar and just hodl the lira. Crypto has added another battle for the Turkish government, Bayat Rektor said. There was always the fiat alternative to the Turkish lira, and now there are fiat-pegged crypto alternatives in addition to bitcoins and altcoins. Now the government has to convince the people its money is a better value. I don't know if you have any comment on that, but I certainly do. Um, the one thing I was—I mean, I just—I—I I, I just think it's sad that they're trying to, you know, it's just their lira. It's just so volatile, and I just feel so bad for these people. And they're, you know, they go in and they—they they trade like. Shiva, you know, like they go in and they try to make little money to survive because inflation is just ridiculous over there right now, yep. and it's it's sad. Yeah. This is this is a problem I saw in in uh, Greece. Greece had this problem, but they had it with their own money, having nothing to do with crypto. They um, their economy in general. It was it was a, the story goes when the UN voted. To, not the VN, but with the European Union voted to have you know the euro become the uh, you know the fiat currency of the European Union 
um, Greece was part of that, right? They're they're not they're kind of middle uh, middle eastern, uh, they're halfway between Western Europe and Eastern Europe. Um, <clears throat> But the problem they seemed, that Greece seemed to be struggling with in general was that their economy was in shambles, and it had been for ages. It, it just never really recovered. Um, and what they did was they, they just didn't do intelligent things with their money and ended up running up a gargantuan amount of debt. And that led to uh, Germany having bailed them out. Uh, they didn't want to do it. In fact, Germany was like, you just need to fail. And Greece is like, help us, we, we're stupid, don't, you know, don't abandon us, please don't abandon us. And uh, Germany finally said, fine, fine, we'll give you some money uh, and abandon, you know, to, to bail you out. But this is one of those things, the reason that the president of Venezuela, uh, Bukele, is doing this kind of, same kind of thing with crypto. He realizes, even as a dictator, that, that he needs to stabilize his economy. Greece needs to stabilize its economy. Turkey needs to stabilize its economy. Part of the problem, I mean, this is a judgment call, obviously, on my part, is dictatorships. <laughs> if um, Erdogan wants his his economy to be stable, he needs to stop being a dictator. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's not going to do it. At least it doesn't seem like he's going to do it. He's going to turn to crypto, or at least he's not turning to crypto, but the people are turning to crypto because they realize that Bitcoin and other coins like Bitcoin are more stable than their own physical fiat. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and this is the problem that, that uh, you know Venezuela was seeing as well as, as Greece. Um, and there's plenty of countries that see this too. Um, and in fact, there's a lot of Americans uh, that came from foreign countries that managed to use the not just the US dollar but the freedom to do as they will in this country and it's always it's, it's never until you actually go to those countries and actually find out exactly what it's like to live there you really don't know as an American and I hate to put it that way Americans are very um, uh, not in my backyard and very uh, you know cloistered we don't really want to think about other people's problems until we've been to those countries and actually see those problems um, not every country is great there's a lot of freedoms that we that we experience here that are amazing, and it's it's unfortunate that uh, those countries still have those problems. But Bitcoin is, in a sense, a way to escape those problems without fixing the problems, because it it is not owned by a particular country. I mean, even even the U.S. doesn't own Bitcoin. I mean, we have two Bitcoin here, but we don't control it. It might have been invented here, but we don't manage it. So anybody can have access to it, and anybody can use it, and anybody can control it, and there's and no country can say, sorry, you can't use that anymore. I mean, the country can say it like China did, <laughs> but people are still going to do it. So um, anyways, I guess what I'm trying to get at is that Bitcoin is an answer, probably not the answer. The best answer, is, of course, for uh, the <clears throat> heads of state in the countries themselves to look upon the their, their citizens as – a family and not not someone to serve them you know it's not don't don't uh, try not to be too animal farm if you can um, <laughs> some animals are just better than others so continuing on uh, you want to read more about Bukele here yes uh, so speaking of uh, Bukele he has not responded to claims of Bitcoin vanishing from citizens wallets um, this is by Scott Chipolina. Sorry, yeah, Chipolina. Uh, Salvadorians are at 
inexplicitly losing. Yeah, inexplicably. Yeah, I can't say it. <laughs> <laughs> Tongue twister. Uh, losing their Bitcoin from their uh, Shiva wallet, according to a Twitter user tweeting under the pseudonym L. Comenzando. Yep. And per the new scientists, according to the new science, scientist, El Comenzando has collected over 50 examples of Bitcoin uh, inexplicably going missing from Salvadorian Chivo wallets. The government has not responded, nor does it acknowledge the errors, he told the new scientist. It's one of the things people are demanding that they respond to their complaints. Many have waited several months for a response to get the money back, he added. According to the new scientist, uh, Ziara Navas, a member of El Salvador, El Salvador National Civil Police, and Rogzi, a Bitcoin uh, commentator, have experienced similar issues. I don't think Chivo is secure, and no one can verify it since the code is not open source, Roxy said. Today, very few people use Chivo because many do not know how it works. El Comenzando reportedly added, This is, of course, not the first Bitcoin stumbling block encountered by President uh, uh, Bukle uh, in his quest to embrace crypto. Uh, the president first announced that El Salvador would accept the leading cryptocurrency as legal tender in May when he broke the news to a roaring Bitcoin maximalist crowd in Miami's 2021 Bitcoin conference. Since then, his policy has been mirrored with controversy. Citizens have taken to the streets time after time after time protesting uh, Bukle's uh draconian Bitcoin law. Some of the world's biggest financial institutions, including the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund, have also criticized uh, Bukle's Bitcoin policy. It is well documented um, that uh, Bukle has an authority authoritarian streak, and while that may have uh, preceded El Salvador's Bitcoin law. It has uh, featured ever since the president became a Bitcoin maximalist. Outspoken critic Mario Gomez was arrested without a warrant earlier this year after he criticized the government's policy. Two Salvadorian business people, people spoke to Decrypt uh, shortly after Gomez was arrested. The police uh, doesn't have to take anyone to court. They just scare one of the vocal uh, descendants with kidnapping him a couple hours or a couple days, one said. It crushes my soul to be see Bitcoin maximalists around the world cheering this when if they actually sat down and read the law and regulations is completely opposite to everything they preach, the other told Decrypt. Yep. This is the problem. It is a dictatorship. It, it is an authoritarian situation and even though he's, you know, very socially minded and aware, it's just a ploy. It's just a, um, uh, 
a sleight of hand. Like, oh, look, we're all for Bitcoin. Hey, isn't that great? We're great. And then, uh, oh, yeah, all that um, human rights thing. Just ignore that. Exactly. But, but, but Bitcoin, right? Bitcoin. Awesome. Ignore, <laughs> ignore, ignore the fact that I'm a dictator, please. So, I mean, he's kind of the first one to really try doing it. I, um, Vladimir Putin hasn't really done it yet. Um, but I don't, think Not yet. I don't think he sees the value in it quite yet. But, yeah, this is a big ploy. This is a big um, a sleight of hand and an attempt to misdirect people like oh yeah this is great do this thing but the whole point of free press and i wish i i know that the how do i put it exactly i know that, that people like xi jinping uh president of china and um uh i'm just trying to think of other dictator people it, it, they they don't they're too scared to really go the full freedom method because they think well, that means that I will be out of power at some point. And what they don't seem to understand is that to truly gain power, you have to give up a lot of what you perceive of power as being. Um, exactly. And and you can get power in other ways, but it will be limited. It will not be uh, hegemonous or, yeah, complete hegemony. Um, and the I guess the observation it makes is when, when I was uh, – in high school in the 90s, <laughs> um, myself here. Um, watching um, Saddam Hussein uh, just absolutely decimate his people. He didn't care. Iraq was you know, a police state, and he had he was he himself and his own family members, his children and his and his siblings were so scared of of their own people, despite the fact that they had complete hegemony. They had all this power. And they were still completely scared of their own people, and so that's the reason. If you if you look back at the history of it, you see what they did. They, these these tunnels, these underground tunnels that they dug um, underneath the castles that he'd built, so that he didn't have to go out in public, so that he didn't have to be potentially assassinated by his own people. That's how scared he was of his own people, even though he had all all that immense amount of power. He was doing the very things that that. Um, Kaylee is doing here to his own people by disappearing them. He disappeared people all the time. Uh, I had several friends and relatives serve in the Iraqi, the first Iraqi war, and they talked about what the Iraqis had said about Hussein, was that he would disappear people just randomly. If you spoke one iota, just one tiny thing about the government, you, and you didn't live in fear, and then suddenly your daughter disappeared, or your son disappeared, or your whole family disappeared. Yeah, they would just kidnap people in the middle of the night, and no one would do anything because they couldn't, because of hegemony, and yeah, it was just living in fear constantly. And that doesn't that doesn't make for a good society. I think we know this. That's the reason that yeah. <laughs> our the ancestors, the people that live in the United States, did what we did. We left Europe to get away from that kind of crap. Um, and that's why people want to come to the United States is because they can actually speak about the, they can speak their opinions about the government and not be afraid of being picked off in the middle of the night. That's not to say there isn't still violence here, but it's not the kind of violence that you're scared of your government for. So we're not going to fix these problems until these people stop or let go of what they perceive as power. Continuing on. Spider-Man, No Way Home, Pirates. 
Caught in a Web, ha, pun, of Monero Mining Malware by Stephen Graves. Pirates attempting to download illegal copies of the latest Spider-Man film are exposing their computers to crypto mining malware. According to researchers at cybersecurity re uh, firm Reason Labs, copies of Spider-Man No Way Home circulating on torrent sites have been packaged with malware that diverts the user's computer to mining privacy coin Monero. It's because this is a CPU coin, so it's relatively easy to get away with. The affected file is named Spider-Man underscore net underscore putty domini dot torrent dot exe, which translates from Russian to Spider-Man No Way Home. Okay, that makes sense. Dot torrent dot exe, hinting at the source of the torrent, most likely from a Russian torrenting website. According to Reason Labs, the malware crypto miner adds exclusions to Windows Defender uh, antivirus software and creates a watchdog process for persistence. After killing any processes that shares that name of its components, the malware launches two processes, SI Host64 and WR64, uh, both executables. Once up and running, the malware runs XMRig, a source, or the, actually the open source Monero miner. And here is a tweet regarding that. Although the malware doesn't steal personal information, Reason Labs pointed out that it does exact a cost on the victim in the form of increasing electricity bills and high CPU usage, causing the machine to slow down. The cybersecurity firm recommended taking extra caution when downloading content of any kind from non-official sources. Whether it is a document or an email or an unknown sender, a cracked program from a fishy download portal or a file from a torrent download. Basically, don't pirate movies from dodgy torrent sites. Mm. Yeah, well, uh, I'm going to take it aside real quick here and, and point something out that my brother said literally back in 2000 when, when um, uh, what's it called? Uh, what was the name of the Nip Napster, when Napster first came out. Um, he said, if movie companies would give people a free trial of the movie or a super cheap copy like 10 cents like here download this movie and watch it for 10 cents and then if you like it you can buy it for the full price because you liked it enough to give them the full price the amount of pirating would almost evaporate and i hate to put it that way but he's right if you give people what they want for a price they can afford You'll almost eliminate piracy. Now, I had a, a um, Sony executive when, we, when I worked with Sony for a short period of time say, uh, well, we do that already. And I said, no, you don't. You charge $4 to rent the movie. They're like, yeah, that's that's the, the taste. You don't get to keep the copy, but you get to see it. And if you don't want to buy it, you don't have to. It's only $4. I'm like, yeah, what you need to do is you need to change that to less than a dollar. And then you'll get a lot more people not just downloading it because at the point where it's 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 almost behooves a person not to do anything then people will just like well there's no reason not to and they'll just do it anyways so anyways cryptojacking malware cryptojacking or inserting malicious software into onto a unsuspecting user's computer to mine cryptocurrency is a growing phenomenon in the first half of 2021 there were most common family of malware detected on cybersecurity firm Trend Micro, which detected nearly 75,000 instances of cryptojacking malware. Earlier this month, cybersecurity firm Sophos, or Sophos reported that Monero mining malware was infecting company networks 
all the miners were seen recently on Monero miners. Sofo threat researcher Sean Gallagher told Decrypt. Monero has become a favorite of cyber criminals because it incorporates privacy features that make uh, that making it challenging to trace. Law enforcement agencies are keen to crack uh, the privacy coin too. Later, uh, pardon me, last year, the IRS awarded contracts worth 1.25 million to firms attempting to develop tools to track Monero. While it, in August this year, cryptocurrency firm CyberTrace claimed to have developed a tool set for tracing Monero transactions at the behest of the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. So, yeah, it's anything of pop, anything that's popular is going to get stolen to some degree. And uh, we're just, you know, we're trying trying to, I mean, how do I put it exactly? Somebody made this point a long time ago regarding this exact thing. If if we just made all the media free, would people still produce it? No, they wouldn't. There'd be no point. So we need exactly. to pay the people who made the things for their work. Now, maybe we think that they're asking too much. And part of this is due, like, like part of, part of the prices that we pay at every physical, you know, store that we shop at is a tiny little percentage of that price is due to theft. So um, you might be paying 10% more for products in general just because 10% of the time people steal the stuff. <laughs> so you're effectively paying the, um, the vendor for the fact that they know they're going to get stolen from. If people didn't steal, the prices actually would go down because they wouldn't have to compensate for the fact that they were having things stolen from them. Um, so part of the price in Spider-Man No Way Home that you're apparently paying, it might be 25 or $30 for a full movie, is in the fact that those people know that they're losing money. And they're jacking up the right, the right, the price, because someone else stole it. So you're basically paying for help someone else having stolen it. Um, if no one stole it and theft was, was not a problem, the price would definitely be cheaper. Now, would it be a lot cheaper? It's hard to know. Uh, we, I think a lot of people look at, at uh, major uh, movie houses and go, well, you made, you know, $100 million on this movie, even though it cost you $100 million to make. Let's say you made $100 million on top of the $100 million that it cost you to make the movie. So we don't really feel sorry for you because you made $100 million. Um, but if you, if you take that number and break it down to normal people numbers, not $100 million, but let's say $100. If you spend $100 to make a movie and you made only $100 on top of it after spending $100 to make a movie, would you feel like you made a lot of money? Probably not. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> like, oh, we only made $100. Eh, well, we only spent $100. So we made $200 and we only spent, yeah, that's not so bad. We made twice our money. Um, somebody might be happy with that, but... I don't have a hundred million dollars, so <laughs> I can't even come. <laughs> so, continuing on with the NFT marketplace. Kraken's NFT marketplace could let users borrow funds against CryptoPunks. And this is written by Liam J. Kelly. Crypto exchange Kraken is reportedly developing its very own NFT marketplace where users can buy and sell various JPEGs. What's more, the exchange's CEO, Jesse Powell, said uh, that digital art collectors may also be able to borrow against their collection. If you deposit a CryptoPunk on Kraken, we want to be able to reflect the value of that in your account, Powell said during a Bloomberg interview. 
And if you want to borrow funds against that, he added, suggesting that a crypto punk could be used as collateral to borrow other cryptocurrencies or stable coins. The uh, financialization of NFTs makes up phase three of this sector's development, said Powell. Phase one was speculation. Phase two is buying art and supporting artists. Phase three is going to be functional uses of NFTs, he said. Uh, 2021 has been a big year for non-fungible tokens or NFTs with the technology exploding from the crypto uh, niche to the mainstream and being named the Collins Dictionary Word of the Year in the process. NFTs first made headlines in 2021 following the sale of digital artist Beeple's NFT at Oh, people. Oh, sorry. Totally misread that. (laughs) NFT every days. The first 5,000 days at uh, Christie's. The sale uh, racked in more than 69 million in early March, making it the third largest single sale by a living artist. Elsewhere, existing marketplaces like OpenSea posted record-breaking volumes as collection like Bordet Yop Club and Crypto Punks. Kraken is, however, a bit late to the party. Already rival crypto exchanges Binance and FTX have launched respective NFT marketplaces this year in hopes of getting a slice of the action. Coinbase's product is also in the works with signups for its waitlist already topping millions of hopeful users. Nexo, a crypto lending and borrowing platform, also announced the launch of an NFT collateralization product last week. Uh, And Tony Trenchev, Nexo's co-founder, said that services like Nexo's lending will be in high demand to unlock NFTs, underlying value while allowing users to retain ownership. The company said that Board 8 Yacht Club and CryptoPunks will be the first two eligible collections, adding uh, that more collections will be announced soon. I don't know if I like that because when I buy an NFT, I buy an NFT because I like the NFT. Um, And so what happens if I borrow against it and obviously I tank it, then that NFT is gone, right? Well, in effect, uh, this is uh, this was kind of started with people who paid absorbent amounts of money yeah. for their NFTs. Uh, if you only paid you know, 500 Raven for an NFT, maybe you don't want to borrow against. Now, if the value of Raven goes from its current roughly 10 cents to $100, maybe you'd want to borrow against the 500, now $50,000 NFT that you owned. Um, let me just get into something that's, that's um, again, not financial advice, but still a financial thing. One of the problems that people who own crypto currently um, have to deal with is taxes. Now, one of the ways of avoiding paying taxes for having traded to a fiat, a valued thing, is to borrow against it. And if you don't actually exchange your valued thing for real value money, that is fiat, then you don't have to pay taxes on it. 
and this is one of the reasons that Celsius, the uh, um, kind of like BlockFi, exists, and the reason that Celsius has been fighting the U.S. government over this concept. Um, if you own, let's say, 10 ETH, it'd be roughly $40,000 worth of ETH, and you don't want to get rid of that ETH, but you still want to use its value, you could borrow against it and get cash out in that format. You still owe interest on that cash that you've borrowed or whatever coin that you've borrowed it in, but you don't then have to get rid of it. You don't have to exchange it for fiat. I mean, the reason people like keeping things as NFTs or as ETH or as whatever coin they want to keep it as is because they know the value is going to go up. And if you borrowed against something that at the time was worth $40,000 and then suddenly ETH goes to $8,000, now you still have an additional $40,000 of value, but you've borrowed 40 grand and you can use that 40 grand to buy something else. So the advantage of, of uh, borrowing against the value of an NFT actually is good as long as the value continues to go up. But if it goes down, then you're right. It is bad. <laughs> <laughs> So the, the bet is, and there's a reason that this is so important to these people, is like as a, a um, exchange that is willing to let you borrow against the value of your NFT, it is in their interest that at some point it goes down because then they get to keep your NFT and the value they're in and you have to still pay them back for the loan you borrowed against it. Um, so it, it can be a good thing as long as you expect your asset to go up in value. If it doesn't, then it, it is in the advantage of the exchange so yeah it's a bet either way um but like I said, there is a, there's an advantage to it in the sense that you don't have to pay taxes on it because you haven't te technically exchanged it for fiat um and that is what people are trying to avoid i mean it's not it's not that um paying taxes is bad and i know i'm going on a tangent here again but it's that um and it, it, this is my own personal view the problem i have with paying taxes is not that i not that I don't want to pay taxes. I do. I think taxes are important. My problem is how they're how they're distributed and used. I, I agree with the things like, you know, uh, infrastructure. I agree with that. I agree with police and fire forces. I absolutely agree with those things. Um, there are other programs that governments use taxes for that I do not agree with. But I live in this society, and so I kind of have to go along with it. And so... You know, it's the same thing with wealthy people like Elon Musk, who doesn't want to pay his taxes. Yeah, he's paid more taxes than the amount of money I've ever made. <laughs> and I can completely understand why a man who's worth $300 billion wouldn't want to give up that money. Um, because if you just took 10%, which is not what the taxes he's paying is, if you only took 10% of his total value, 10% of $300 billion is $3 billion. So <laughs> it's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of money. All right, probably it's thirty billion, not three hundred. My my bad. Thirty billion is three is ten percent of thirty three hundred. But it's still an incredible amount of money. Um, and yes, I completely understand his not wanting to partner. His tax liability is more like thirty eight percent, not ten percent, which means it's not thirty billion he's giving up. It's more like a like a hundred and twenty billion. Um. It's probably still more than enough for him to live on, but yeah. Anyways, um, yeah, I can I understand the reason for NFT borrowing against. To continue on with the 
political news here with by Jeff Benson. Pro Bitcoin Senator Loomis to propose new crypto regulator. Senator Cynthia Loomis, Republican from Wyoming, a member of the Senate Banking Committee and one of only two sitting senators to hold Bitcoin in her portfolio, plans to introduce a bill that would drastically alter the legislative and regulatory landscape for crypto, according to a report from Bloomberg. According to the report, the bill would create a new regulatory body to handle crypto affairs, yay, which would, I hope Gary Gensler is not involved here, uh, which would be jointly overseen by the Securities and Exchange Commission and the Commodity Future Trading Commission, or the CFTC. The bill would reportedly also establish how different types of crypto assets are classified for regulatory purposes, codify crypto taxation rules, outline regulations for stablecoin providers, and include, include, did I say include, include crypto uh, consumer protections. Senator Loomis, a staunch Bitcoin advocate, told Decrypt last week, I'm optimistic that we'll eventually reach an agreement on a legal framework for digital assets that resolves many of the long-standing issues, including regulatory jurisdiction, market integrity, self-regulatory organizations, and stable coins. Crypto regulations are at a crossroads with the industry. Congress and regulators are all saying the industry needs to be regulated, but not one agreeing and not one quite agreeing on how or by whom. The SEC chair, Gary Gensler, a.k.a. Uh, Senator Palpatine, uh, sought, has sought to consolidate oversight of crypto markets under his agency. He's pointed to the fact that many assets listed on crypto exchanges are likely classifiable as securities, tradable financial instruments such as stocks and bonds. Meanwhile, CFTC Chair Rostin Benham has pushed for his agency, which traditionally oversees derivative projects such as Bitcoin's futures, to be granted more jurisdiction. The Loomis bill isn't entirely a shot in the dark, though it might be considered as a starting point for legislation rather than a fait accompli. Senator Pat Toomey, Republican of Pennsylvania, the only other senator to hold Bitcoin, is the ranking Republican member on the Senate Banking Committee, where the bill will likely be sent for consideration. The committee, which is chaired by Senator Sherrod Brown, Democrat of Ohio, has seen a keen interest in the topic. Earlier this month, it conducted a hearing called Stablecoins, How, to do, how do They Work, How Are They Used, and What Are the Risks? In a prepared statement, Senator Brown said stablecoins and crypto market aren't actually an alternative to our banking system. They're a mirror of the same broken system with even less accountability and no rules at all. I disagree with his assessment. We'll see if he likes the rules his Wyoming calling is proposing. What do you have to say on that? I think it's great. I mean, but I'm a little loomy, but I think it's or bad. I mean, I don't know. Uh, it. I mean, I'm for decentralization, but and obviously, you know, we all are for decentralization, but it gives hope to people in the cryptocurrency sector. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I follow what you're saying. The uh, yeah, I, I I wouldn't say I normally lean right. But I was raised uh, with a Republican uh, family, and 
I have since taken a more neutral stance on politics in general, although I do, people do perceive that I lean left. Um, I, I lean left when it's convenient, I lean right when it's convenient, so I definitely am a neutral person on this. But um, it's, it's good to see a person taking this more stance of realizing that crypto is not bad, it just needs uh, people to be aware of its potential. There's a great deal of potential and it's such a new thing. I mean, I know it's been around 12 years, but it's still a relatively new thing. Um, and it's it's still developing itself and we're still trying to figure out how to use it and how it works. Yes, it's the Wild West as far as um, finance is concerned. And finance has, has been very um, <clears throat> regulated and, and stable for the last, uh, let's say 200 years. Um, and so now it's changing again, and it's changing because of computers. And computers are yet still a new thing to some people who've, like Warren Buffett, been in, in finance since the uh, what early 40s, early 1940s, so like 80 years. Um, his experience with this is, is different, but that doesn't mean there aren't things that aren't rec recognizable tradition, recognizably traditional. So... I, I think it's good to see that we have a bipartisan participation on this and we're not just all uh, FUD, which is I think what, even though I, I've often, particularly in the last um, administration, was very much for what Elizabeth Warren was saying, I don't agree with her now. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Just because I agree with her then doesn't mean I have to agree with her now. I mean, everybody has their own opinion. We can stick. We don't just have to be... Um, uh, monodirectional with our thought we can we can think for ourselves right and determine what exactly. we think is best um, crypto has a lot of purposes it's not just a financial tool it's one of the aspects of crypto so um, it's important that we not necessarily regulate crypto so much as we regulate its use we need to make sure that the people who are offering crypto to the people who don't know any better aren't doing things that are illegal. We also need to make sure that the people who are buying crypto and using crypto, not not the people selling it per se, um, are not uh, blowing their entire budget on crypto because it sounds like it'll be fun. Like you can't regulate morality. As much as we try, you usually can't. Um, you have to let people make their own dumb decisions. <laughs> but exactly. the government has been trying to do this for years and it's not a good idea. It, it, we need to warn people about the dangers, but not force them to not do the dangers. It's like, <clears throat> um, my analogy was to California being the babysitter state, in that we've been on the, for, the forefront of new rules and regulations to try to help people, but we often cut people off who don't necessarily need the help. So you're like, no one can do this. Like, no, 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 it should be let everybody know what they probably shouldn't do and then let them do it. So it's like the, the motorcycle uh, rule in California. We were, California was one of the first to regulate that everyone had to wear a motorcycle helmet. It's a good idea to wear a motorcycle helmet. It's a good idea for children to wear helmets when riding bicycles. These are good ideas. For children, I think it's perfectly fine to mandate that they wear a helmet. For adults, it's a good idea to wear a helmet. They should not be required to wear one. It's your exactly. life. You can kill yourself or get your head caught up in something if you want to. It sucks that you do that. But you have that right to decide to be stupid. You have the right. 
Children do not have the right. Adults do. If you don't want to wear a helmet, you should not be mandated to wear a helmet. But if you die, you get to pay for your health problems, not the state. The problem is right now the state does or the city does. Like, oh, person got in a car accident. They weren't wearing a helmet. Now they're dead. They're all going to have to go clean it up. It's, it should be you have to deal with that problem. Now, of course, the police are going to be there and the paramedics probably will be there. But it's for you to pay for, not for them. Maybe it'll end up being your family that pays for it, not you because you're dead. But the point is, um, it was your decision to make this poor decision. The thing that's so funny to me, and I know I'm going on a huge tangent here, but the whole point is to make the analogy. Um, people are regulated to wear a helmet, but they don't have to wear proper bike clothes. You should be wearing exactly. leather, leather jacket, leather pants, and proper steel-toed boots. You should be wearing that while riding a bike. But how many times have you seen people wearing a t-shirt and jeans and a helmet? That or does not protect you. Yeah, or, yeah, whatever. The point is, yeah. the helmet doesn't protect stupidity. <laughs> it doesn't even save, it saves your head, but if your body's torn to shreds, what difference does it make? <laughs> so, um, the, the point, same, the same point goes here with, with Bitcoin. If you want to throw all of your money that you have spare in this very moment at Bitcoin and then not pay your rent or not pay your mortgage or not pay your health bill and not pay what something else you should be paying, that's on you. We shouldn't make you pay your rent. If you can't figure out that you need to pay your rent instead of buying booze and alcohol, uh, booze and, and cigarettes all the time, uh, why is that for us to decide? It's not. Exactly. It's not our decision. It's not. So if you're too stupid to know how to adult, eh, sorry. <laughs> but <laughs> when it comes to crypto, that's the same exact thing. It's not for the government to say. The government needs to tell you what you probably shouldn't do, but not tell you you can't do it. So that's all my – I know I've contributed a lot of Satoshis uh, in this today, and I know at my age – I. I come to the point where I remember when I, and I, I don't mind admitting that I'm over 40, but um, I, by saying that I was in high school in the 90s, I have to be, but um, <laughs> um, <laughs> the uh, the point I want to make is that uh, by the time I hit 40, I realized I, did, I didn't care what any people think, thought of me. I remember the, the, the uh, difference between uh, caring what everybody thought about me and when I hit 40, not caring anymore. And it's not like I don't care about people. I do care about people. I just don't care what people think of me anymore. Like, eh, you're going to think what you're going to think. I don't have to kowtow to you. So um, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I've already been through all those hard things. I know what it's like. Um, so I don't have to feel put upon by your opinion. It's my opinion, and I'm sticking to it. And if I'm wrong, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll change my opinion. So... Um, <laughs> But you don't have to be so inundated by other people's thoughts of who you are. You are who you are. You're making yourself. You don't have to worry about what they say about you. And so I know I'm talking a lot about this. And I know I'm making these opinions, but I've had a lot of time to think about these things. I've been wrapped up in, in politics for over 25 years to some degree. Uh, I've been involved in many, many different, different projects over the years, both uh, crypto-related and, and uh, politics and other things revolving around cities uh, a lot. Um, I've, I've seen the things happen. And um, I don't have knowledge on everything, but I, I've been a public speaker for a, a number of years. Um, and at this point, it's like I have an opinion and I like to express it. 
So uh, <laughs> I, I'm glad that people are listening to the show and I will, um, by getting back to the points I have here, um, say that if you've got, made it this far, an hour and a half <laughs> into the show, uh, we really appreciate it. a like and a subscribe if you want to continue hearing talk uh, me, Jake, and or Alyssa, and of course when John gets back on the show or when Crypto Mike is here, uh, we'd really appreciate a subscribe and hit the notification bell. We post every Wednesday and Sunday uh, for the podcast. We also have Thursdays for interviews, and uh, of course on Crypto Twitter and Twitter in general, we have crypto, uh, live Twitter all the time. Lissa and and John will be in those on a regular basis. I do listen in occasionally, but I. I don't have as much time set aside for that as I'd like. Uh, we also have the Discord, which you can join us on and talk all you like about crypto, ask us questions, get to know us better. Um, we also have a coin we're giving away as well as uh, stickers, uh, which is a actual usable functional NFT, which we will be giving away soon enough. You can also buy things on that same market and participate with uh, chatting, which is in which you can earn C3 Media tokens. We're on Patreon. We have three different levels of subscription, three, five, and 10. Uh, that's a monthly subscription, and for the more you pay, the more you get. You can get AMAs, and you can get additional. Uh, we also have we also have uh, giveaways that we're doing in that. If you want to check out the Discord, uh, the uh, Patreon. Uh, but if you want to do those, we uh, do accept di donations in the cryptocurrency formats such as Bitcoin, Ethereum, Binance, Basic Attention Token, and Raven. All the information on all these different items is in the description in the bo bottom of either the YouTube video or your anchor or wherever you're getting your podcast from. I'd like to thank Cryptolissa for being here today on the podcast. This is really her first time on this actually reading, and I really appreciate that she stepped in for John while he was out on vacation. Thank you, Lissa. You're so welcome. Um, and we will catch you guys again on next, uh, the coming Wednesday, just before the new year. And we will also have on the 30th, another podcast coming up. So you might want to check that out as well. Uh, I will say as John always does stack sats and hodl. Uh, the